said a friend to a friend one day, I was a man who passed away. St. Peter met me at the gate, and Peter said, Walk with me, and I will take you to your house that you built. The man said, I can't wait. Passed a mansion, made a stone, but with each new house that he had shown, they got smaller by degree. Stopped in front of a two-room shack, and Peter said, Hope you're happy with that. Man said, How can this be? And Peter said, That's all the lumber. That's all the lumber. That's all the lumber you sent. Looks like the builder. Man, he's got your number. But that's all the lumber you sent. (laughs) We love to say, In my father's house, there are many mansions. Some of us might be building shacks this morning. So so we have been talking about, that song goes on and on, and I won't give you the rest of it. But here's a man who gets to heaven, and he sees his mansion, and it's a two-room shack. And he says, my goodness, what happened? And the other part of the song is he wants to go back. He wants to go back and try again. Well, you don't get to go back. Once you're there, you're there. And uh, we, uh, I love the way my mother interpreted this passage as we get on through it. She said, there'll be some folks that get saved by the skin of their teeth. And they're going to get there. And literally the text says, uh, you, you, you're going to go through, the, you, you get close to the fire as you get through, as through smoke. And so uh, we're talking about rewards and we're talking about how we live our life. And so the context of this passage is, again, let me remind you, Paul, the apostle, is, is telling the folks in Corinth, stop thinking one person is better than another. Stop all this division. Paul says each person is going to be rewarded according to what he did. Did you hear me? Nobody is going to be rewarded for something they didn't do, and you won't be punished for something that you didn't do. Let's read our text real quickly. Let's start today. We looked at the builder's criteria last week, and so let me recap that for you. Paul says here, uh, when, he, when he starts in verse 9 and 10, he says, I built out of grace. I built as a master builder. And then he says, we built on the foundation, the only foundation, Jesus Christ. And then he says, be careful how you build. Build with caution. That was the builder's criteria. Now we're going to look at the inspector's critique today. And who is the inspector? You know who the inspector is. God's the inspector. And so we start in uh, verse number number 12 this morning. And so he uh, says here as we pick right back up after he talks about the master builder. For no one can lay any foundation other than that which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation, verse 12 with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it. The day will disclose it. What's he talking about? It will, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Praise the Lord. We're going to get rewards for serving Jesus. Amen? If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. He won't be lost, but it will be lost. His his rewards will be lost, but he'll be saved. Yet, it will be like one escaping through the fire. Now, that's scary to me. You you know, 
I've always wondered, really, how's God going to do that? Is he going to just fly people that didn't do what they were supposed to do? Just fly them over hell a little bit and then take them on into heaven and say, see, you could have been there. You just buy smoke. Y'all all right? <laughs> so, I don't know. I ain't saying that's true. I'm just saying I wonder. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him. For God's sanctuary is holy and... That is what you are. I, th I think that's probably about as far as we get if we get that far. Let's look at the inspector's critique. And so uh, in verses 12, 13, and 14, the reason that I'm so passionate about this and about the passion uh, that I bring to the pulpit with you to teach you and to help you understand all the things that, that God shows me is because I know what's coming. There's going to be a test. And I hope you saw that in the text. There is going to be a test. Now, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God that you're going to get what you deserve or not what you deserve. And I'm in it for what I don't deserve. I'm in it for the grace and the mercy and the goodness. And when I get to heaven, uh, I'm going to know I didn't deserve this, but because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm here. And that's your entrance in. But what you do here can determine the rewards that you will have when you will get there. And if I'm inclined to know anything about rewards, rewards are good things. And rewards make you feel good. And that rewards are given not like they're given here on the earth, that everybody gets a trophy of participation. And so we think about, well, if I just get to heaven, I'm fine. I don't care how far I'm back. No, that's not how I think. And I want to change your way of thinking today. I don't want you to get there and smell like smoke, okay? I want you to, I want you to go in a, I mean, just blazing, hallelujah, gloriously, and get everything that God has for you. And so I do know this. God's economy of justice is perfect. And I love that. You remember I talked to you about doing projects in college, and I thought to myself, Man, I don't like to do projects with other people. Group projects just make me ill because there's always somebody in there or maybe more than one person that's a slack dog and you end up doing all the work and everybody gets the same grade. And here you've worked all this time and you could have gotten an A and everybody got B. Well, I want to tell you, God's economy of justice is not like that. You're responsible for you. And I don't want to get what I deserve. Y'all all right? If I get a ticket and go stand before the judge, I want to say, Judge, it was, it was rainy that day, and I was distracted, and I was speeding, and I'm sorry. And the judge says, you know, we're just going to wipe that off, and I want you to do better next time. Amen? And then, you, and then you pop up and say, no, I was guilty. Give me a $200 ticket. Nobody does that. I want to be forgiven. I want to get the grace. I want to get the mercy. I want to get the reward. I want to be forgiven. You can lay a foundation as a master builder and, and still make some mistakes. You can use subpar materials. You can cut corners. And, and you can use the wrong material even. But I want you to know this. This text teaches us that your work will be revealed. Our material will be revealed. Verse 13. Look at verse 13. The word each is there. It's not an addition. I looked at the text. There's two words that I specifically made an attempt to look at each one's work. God doesn't love us all. He loves us each. He knows you. And the word it in verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, it, it refers back. It's appositional. It refers back to your works, not you. Your works may have been done with poor material and a poor motive, but you'll go to heaven as a Christian. 
But your, but your rewards are going to be your, your work. It will be shown for what it is. Now, how does God do this? Let's look at the method that God uses. His method is he uses fire. And he speaks of the day of the Lord here. It's very confusing to some folks, but it shouldn't be. It is a definite reference to the end times and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the unbelievers will definitely be judged for their sin. And I want you to hear Pastor say this today. I'm not going to let you completely off the hook because I disagree with most people about this passage. I want you to know right up, the, right up front, yes, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, you'll never be judged for your sins. That's what the cross was all about. But there's some things in this text and also in other parts of Corinthians that he says you'll be judged whether what you did was good or bad. And we'll get to that at the end of the message. But let me develop this for you and you'll understand what I'm talking about. He says nothing that is hidden is not going to be revealed. These words indicate to me that and, and a little bit further on he's going to say but you will suffer some form of loss right here. What is the form of loss? It will be lost. You will understand, I could have had that, but I didn't get it because I was not faithful. And so I think if we would start teaching actually what the Scripture said, we would have more dedicated, committed Christians. And so I'm going to develop it as we go. Don't ever hear me say that when you get to heaven, you're going to be judged for your sin. Jesus took care of that. That's why you're going. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. But if you're going to be rewarded for something, you don't get rewarded for disobedience. Amen? We get rewarded for obedience, not disobedience. And so here, here he says, now, fire is the method of how he will test someone's work. Now, let me ask you a question. If you get no rewards, what does that mean? It means you went to hell. That's what it means. If you're saved and you get there, you will get some form of rewards. You'll get the gift of life for eternity. And so here he says, fire is the expression of God's judgment in two areas. Number one, purification and consumption. Fire will purify our works or it'll burn them up. That's what he says. We're going to have gold, silver, precious stones, or you'll have chaff. You ever seen chaff burn? Well, I want to tell you, chaff goes up just like that. I saw my cousins one time, uh, we were in Lincoln, Georgia, and they were playing games. They were lifting the, the sewer tops off and jumping down in the sewer. And, they were, and one of my cousins, while my one cousin was in the hole down there, took a, a big cherry bomb, lit it, and threw it down in there just to hear it blow up and to hear him yell. Well, boy, when it blew up, there was all this dry chaff and grass down in there, and it lit that stuff on fire in a second. And boy, was he climbing out of that hole, I want to tell you. And it was gone just like that. And I'll never forget that. And I always think about that when I see the word chaff. I just think, boy, that dry grass caught up just like that. And he came out and his eyebrows were burned. I've never seen anything so funny in all my life. <laughs> Some people take this as a, as a reference to purgatory. Purgatory doesn't exist. This is not where you go and you, you get purified and then you can go to heaven. Like I said, if you deal with Jesus in this life, when you get there, you go straight in. You're in. But you want everything that you can get out of it. Amen? You don't want to give 100% or even 90%. We want to give 110% to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Matthew 13 gives us both scenarios. Listen. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me there will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even fit to carry or to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I want to say to you, when Jesus comes, the appearance of the Son of God will bring everything to light, and each man's works will be tested. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. All this is evident that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. God is just. He will pay back those who trouble you. And he will give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that God's way of testing things and purifying things and destroying things is by fire. He's the one in control of that. Those who trouble the church of Jesus Christ right now and hinder the work of God, all of those who are unbelievers will see the Lord Jesus. He will come in blazing fire. And I take that to mean at the end of the tribulation when the second coming happens and all of the nations of the earth have come to stand against Israel. And everybody talks about that battle of Armageddon. That'll happen just prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And when he comes, there won't be a fight. There'll be absolute destruction. He will come in blazing fire, in power, in holiness. Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is, this is one of the best passages in the New Testament. This is so good. It's hard to use as a reference because I want to just stay right here. Just keep preaching it. And so in 2 Peter 3 and 10, it starts. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. how's he come like a thief? Nobody's going to know when he's going to come. And all the people who've had opinions about when he's going to come and he's not going to come, and this is foolishness, are going to be the most shocked people when he does come. The heavens will disappear with a roar. What? The heavens will disappear with a roar. They're destroyed. The heavens will disappear. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. These same words are used when Jesus spoke of Lazarus, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He said, loose him. He literally says here about the elements of the universe, the atoms that are holding things together, he says they'll be luo, they'll be loosed. And all of this, how will it happen? At the spoken word of Jesus Christ. The spoke, you say, Brother Jerry, that's impossible. How can that happen? Who put the atoms together to begin with? If he put them together, friends, he can let them go. And immediately the heavens will disappear with a roar. Since everything, but now listen, here's our, here's our word for this. As we speak of rewards, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should we be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. You know what that says to me? Does does Peter really mean that if we live holy and godly lives, we can speed the day of the Lord's coming? Well, I think that's what the Scripture says. I don't really understand it, but I believe it because it's the Word of God. The day will bring it about by the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So, dear friends, he says, as you look forward to this, 
why in the world would we look forward to all this destruction? Because you won't be a part of it. Y'all all right? Doesn't that actually even tell you when it's going to happen? Make every effort then, because we know that these things shall be, we shall be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. The, the more we put online, the more we go out, the more ridicule that we get, the more that people say ugly things about the way I preach and the way I look and all of those things. Praise the Lord, we're, we're getting somewhere now. <clears throat> Do you think for a second that it bothers me what the world thinks of me? I don't care because I've got someone to please and I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account of my life. It won't be to the people that are criticizing. It won't be to the people and the naysayers. Micah 1.4. Listen to these passages, folks. When you talk about the testing of the Lord, and those of you who are watching by way of Internet, and this podcast may go out, it'll get out into other countries this week. And I want to say to you, you may think that this is foolish. You may think that I'm just uh, some southern pastor in America who's just, just really angry and mad. No, I love you very deeply, and I want you to understand what's coming. The reason that I'm so passionate about this is the test is coming. Listen to what Micah says. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like water pouring down a steep place. He says literally, Zechariah 14, 4, that one day Jesus Christ will come and rapture the church. But there in, 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 in Zechariah 14, 4, it says his feet will come to the earth. He'll put his feet on the earth. And literally, the, the, the geographical location there in Israel will, will change. And the mountains will move. You say, how can that happen? Micah tells us that they'll literally melt and run like water, like wax that's hit the fire. That's my Jesus. That's my Lord. Isaiah says, the earth is broken asunder. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard, and it tolerates and it totters like a, a shack, for its transgression is heavy upon it, and it will fall never to rise again. So it will happen in that day that, that the Lord will punish the host of, uh, of heaven on high and the kings of earth below. He says literally those wicked People, entities in the universe, in heaven and on earth, are going to be destroyed. The Greek word in verse 13 is uh, the word for manifested, or it means to, it will be shown for what it is. The Greek word is phaneros. It means to show abroad. It means to reveal it. It, it will mean, it'll be tested, and it will be seen for what it is. Can I say to you that if it does not last... If it collapses, there's no legacy involved. Can someone say, leaving a legacy for pastor this morning? That's what we talk about around here. It's in the hallway out there. And every time I see that in the hallway, every time I see it on anything that we print and send out, it reminds me, Jerry Gray, make sure that you're following Jesus as closely as you can and being obedient to him and leaving behind a legacy that will last. He says, use material. He said, don't send, more, don't send poor material up here. You'll get here and find out you got a shack to live in. He says, I want to have a mansion. And he says, gold and silver. That Man, that's material that lasts. Secondly, there's perishable material. 
you'll have a house, but it may be built out of hay. It may be built out of wood and straw that, that, that collapses. It's not, not as good as the other material. He says, send it. Don't let it perish. What is it that causes things to perish? Well, it's unfaithfulness, lack of commitment, wrong motives, and wrong attitudes. Paul says in the book of Philippians, when I stand before the Lord, in no way do I want to be ashamed. You know what that indicates to me? That there will be some folks that stand before Jesus in the end times when when we're getting our rewards and they will feel ashamed. Well, that hits home. I don't want to be ashamed when I stand before the Lord. Literally, Paul also talks about in two places. As I go along, I'm going to share a little more about this with you. I, I, don't, I have not understood the passage, and I really prayed as I prepared again with this specific, specific passage that God would teach it to me and help me understand it. And I think I do have it now. But Paul says, I, I, don't want, I, don't want in, I want to please the Lord in my living and in my dying. And I thought to myself, how in the world can I please the Lord in my dying? If I'm already in heaven, how can I please the Lord? Do you know that it will break the Lord Jesus' heart to look at you as you come to get your rewards and say, I don't have any for you. I want him to stand before me and give me my rewards and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to break his heart anymore. Man, I'm in here by myself. Psalm 62 says, One thing God has spoken, two things I've heard, that the Lord our God, you're strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely, listen to me, (laughs) you reward each person according to what he's done. Don't let anybody tell you. Oh, people say, Brother Jerry, if you'd have just been there for me, I'd have done better. Well, good for you. When you get to see Jesus, that won't hold up. Y'all all right? You're responsible. I'm responsible. The Old Testament is gone. He says the stains of the grapes are not on the teeth of the children anymore. I'm responsible. I can't blame anybody but myself. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now all has been said. Here's the conclusion. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. I'll never be questioned about my sin. When I get to heaven, Jesus paid it all. But the Lord is probably going to show me, I believe with all my heart. See, Baptists are afraid to preach this. Every preacher that I know that I really know is afraid to say this. But I'm going to tell you, I believe this is what the Word teaches us right here. And I had to deal with this, that I'm going to get to see what I could have had but didn't get. And that may actually be the place where Jesus, have you ever thought about this? You're going to be in heaven. He says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. What are tears doing there? Because I may get to see, Lord, I should have served you more. I shouldn't have been so attached to this place. Maybe that moment is a spiritually convicting moment in heaven where we realize that tears will never be seen again because we'll be able to serve him perfectly. You know why we can't do it now? Because we live in the flesh. And I I beg you, those of you who are watching by way of internet this morning, and you may never have heard anything like this preached before, I want to tell you Jesus Christ is real. He wants to cleanse you and forgive you of your sins. If you'll just give your heart to him, You'll have a home on high and rewards according to how you serve him. Amen? Amen. I believe that. Our second thing here is our motive. Look right across the page there and see chapter 4, 1 through 5. Now, I can't preach this this morning because that's coming next week. Y'all all right? Or maybe in two weeks. 
So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Because Paul has told them, don't pick out men who you think are better than one another. Paul says, I'm going to tell you who we are, and I'm going to tell you who your preachers and apostles are. He says, we're, we're just men entrusted with the things of God. Now it is required of those who have been given a trust, they must prove faithful. And he says, listen, some of y'all need to hear this. Let this go in your heart. Let it dig down in there and get some roots. Get roots so big that nobody can dig it out with criticism. Paul says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, Paul says, I don't even judge myself. If I can't judge myself, you surely can't judge me you got bigger problems yourself. Paul says, I don't care. My conscience is clear. But even if my conscience is clear, Paul says, I don't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, come on, y'all, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. Do you see what he says up here? Each one's works will be, uh, it'll be obvious in the day. See, just wait for Jesus to get here, and then you'll see. And, and Charlie and I talked about this weekend. I said there's going to be two things happen when we get to heaven. We're going to be surprised at who's there and surprised at who's not there. Yep. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. And at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Did y'all hear what I just said? But why are we afraid to say that? That when I get there, you, you're going to say, oh, Brother Jerry's going to be there. And Brother Jerry's going to have all these great rewards because he's our pastor. There may be a quiet little saint going around here that y'all don't know anything about that has walked so close to Jesus and God's answered so many prayers, that person gets, all, gets more rewards than anybody there. We'll find out when we get there. I may do something real kind and somebody say, look, our pastor, he just loves people so much. He's great. And I may have done it out of obligation but not love. You see, you don't know my heart. Paul says, I, you can't judge other people like that. You, you know, you, you'll figure it out later on. Question, what are we building with? Will it last? What are my motives like? All things are going to become light when Jesus shows up. It's going to be a lot of things to get explained when the Lord Jesus is standing before us. In Matthew 21, I love this passage because Jesus here, he compares in Matthew 21, 28 and following, he, he uses two sons to compare the sinners and the religious people. He says, what do you think about this? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son, son, go and work the day in my vineyard. And he said, I won't do it. And he answered, but later on he changed his mind and he went. And then the father went to the other son and he said, said the same thing. He said, sir, I, I will not go. And, and which he says, well, he said, I'll go, but he didn't. So one son said, I ain't going, and he went. The other one said, I'm going, but he didn't. And he said, who do you think did the will of the Lord? And he uses this as an example. He says, I came to Israel, and they said, we'll serve the Lord. Remember all the promises he made Moses? And Abraham, all the things that didn't do it. And then he says, the prostitutes and the sinners are coming in. They said, we're not going to serve the Lord. We're free to do what we want. Then they got convicted of their sin and they came to the Lord. They came to Jesus when they saw him. The first son represents the prostitutes and the tax collectors. The second son is Israel. What was their motives? Then the third thing, our material, wood, hay, gold, and silver. We, we call this good works, right? We call it, listen, we know we can't be saved by works. Baptists are always saying we can't be saved by our works. So some of them got used to that and says, well, we just won't do any since we can't be saved by them. Preaching, singing, serving, working, 
all of these wonderful things. Praying, it's obvious that all these things that are used will not stand up under the test of fire. When, when we do those things, they're going to be tested. He says they will. Will they or won't they stand up to the test? The reason that our material that we send has to be so pure is because everything that's in heaven is so pure now. So it's got to be done in the right motives and by the right way. We've got to build a kingdom upon good principles. This is why we, I don't, you know, I don't know we ever have or will rent a, a Ferris wheel. Now, I'm not against uh, Ferris wheels, but we're not here to draw people to the fair. This is the worship house of God. And everybody says, oh, well, so-and-so's doing this, and they're growing their church, and these people are doing this. You know, they raffled off a dog in Sunday worship. Oh, everybody came to get the dog. Y'all think I'm kidding. Serious. I like dogs, too. But we're not raffling off a dog as long as I'm here. We're going to be in the book, preach the word, and that's what, and God, see, God honors that. And everybody says, oh, well, we're going to do this and this and this, and I want to tell you something. What held us strong through COVID and the 2008 collapse, uh, the economy was terrible. You know what held us? Our people who came to be fed the word of God. And so sometimes you got a big church and a lot of people. Spurgeon said, Are we feeding sheep or entertaining goats? And I think there's a lot of entertaining goats today. And so in Revelation 21, 18, can't read it all, got to move fast, but let me just give you an idea. The walls were made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate a single pearl. The great street of the city was pure gold, like uh, transparent glass. When you send works on, it's got a fit up there. The word study here is quality. Each of the works we have, he says, it will be revealed as what it is. The quality of each man's work, it will undergo the revelation of the fire of God. It scares me. How do we build? What do we sing? What do we preach? How do we live? What are my motives? Y'all know I do a lot of things that, with pure motives. You don't want to do something, but the joy of the Lord comes over and you go do it anyway. The word revealed is the word apocalypto. We get our English word apocalypse from it. And people ask me, what is the apocalypse? I said, it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. The Hollywood focuses on the wars and the rumors of wars and all that and the end times, the destruction of the world, the destruction of the universe. I see it as the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says here, uh, the apocalypso is also put with this word delo, which means to test. That, that's used. It's used to express the complete revelation of quality, materials, and motives. In other words, it's the complete exposure by the fire and the presence of Jesus Christ. See, I can do a lot of things, but, you know, it's, it's funny how many of y'all like to work by yourself? How many of y'all like to work by? I love to work by myself. I don't like people messing with me. I just go in there and do my thing, and I build things by myself and do all that. Now, it makes me nervous if you're watching me, if I'm building something, and you're a master carpenter. That's going to make me nervous. And he's going to say, well, that's not perfectly square. That's not, and, and here's my thing. We ain't building a watch. But some of them folks can't stand that. They just say, no, that's got to be a little more square, Brother Jerry, and that we've got to use this type of screw. And I'm like, man, I'm hitting that thing with a nail gun. Pow, pow, 
pow, pow. We're going. A little paint and caulk, and we're going to be good. You all right? Can you imagine doing things with Jesus looking over your shoulder? What's going on right there, boy? I got news for you. He is looking over your shoulder. And one day, see, I've done some things, and my daddy come back and look at it, and my daddy say, what in the world, son? Because <laughs> he always comes back. So it makes you do the right thing to start with. Then the measurement, not only is it judged by fire, but survival of the fire. That's the judgment. This is the measurement. This is how the, the master builder, this is how he critiques it. This is how he comes through. Works that we do will be tested, and they'll be tested by fire. But he wants to, he uses the word here, I love this, the word for survives in the text. He says, it's the little word for minnow. And you know that word. I'm going to read you a great passage that goes with that. It means to remain or abide. You see, I, I, that's why I speak of leaving a legacy. If, you know, if we do all of this with Woodlake and pastor dies or I go home to be with the Lord or I retire and fall off the side of the road somewhere, what's going to remain? And the true test of what we've done here is what remains after we're gone. Praise the Lord. And I won't be judged if y'all hire some liberal woke preacher when I'm gone. And he comes in and kills the whole thing. That's on you, not me. I'm doing my job. We're in the book. Amen? When our works are tested, do they remain? Can I ask you this? What is your priorities today? And this is where I want to get you right now. So see, some people get the idea that coming to worship and, and giving and serving, and work, it's just not worth it anymore. You know, I heard something last night that we have 71 million millennials in this country. Do you know that we are down to below 50% of the people in this country who believe in God or attend church regularly? And many, if not most, of those millennials are lost. We're in a mess. And you know where I place the blame? On the pastors for forsaking the Word of God. It is pathetic. The meaning, the measuring rod of the word survival, does your work make it through the fire. The word for survives is actually this little word, minnow. It doesn't remain. Is your motives good? If you build on the right foundation, if you have the right heart, will it abide when it's tested? Does it, does it even last here? Not only there, but does it survive here? Are you doing the right thing? And listen, when people are drawing crowds, and the pastor that's preaching the word, did you know there's many people who won't come here because we are preaching the word? We've had folks come recently and said, boy, if you, if, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't go to Woodlake. Pastor there's preaching the book. Amen? Amen? And many people come in, they hear the book, and out the door they go. They don't come back. But they heard the truth. There's people watching by way of internet now that, that'll watch in, make a comment, and laugh at what we're doing and leave. But they heard the truth, and I'm praying the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth to them. But we don't stop preaching the truth to draw a crowd. Uh, I think there was about 40,000 people in SunTrust Stadium last night. But I can promise you, I'm sure there were some people witnessing and carrying and talking spiritual things in there that was eternal. But I can promise you, nobody with 40,000 people in there last night, when we get to heaven, is going to ask what the score was. So in heaven does it abide, on earth does it abide, 
the reward that abides is very personal. Notice that, again, here, this is for some folks. I just, I'm trying to minister to you. I'm trying to pour the truth in your heart. Notice that it says his work will be tested. If anyone's work that he, he, yours, if your work, if mine gets burned up, has nothing to do with you. The verb used is a future tense verb that speaks of personal reward. I will not be judged for the failure of other people or rewarded for the work of other people if my work abides. And so when we get to heaven, you see, that's when everybody may say now, well, Brother Jerry really doesn't care what the people think out there. He doesn't get with the times. When we get to heaven and we're standing before the Lord and he says, Brother Jerry... You get a a, a crown. You get a reward. And if I'm correct, I don't know this to be true, but I think the rewards that we get will be an opportunity for them to give them back to Jesus for his grace and mercy and love while we're here. What could be more devastating for a child of God not to have anything to give to their Lord? Listen, John 15. Listen, Listen how the same word used. The word for abide that's in our text is used here. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains, minnow. If if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you do nothing. If If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branch is picked up, is thrown into the fire and burned. You you see the comparison with Jesus' words and Paul's words? If you don't remain in Christ, if you do, it's gold and silver. If you don't, it's hay and it's stubble. If you remain, minnow, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything that you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. I've got so much more for you right here, but I I can't develop it. The criteria is coming. I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to know that, see, now next week we're going to deal with this from verse, verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, it'll be lost, but he won't be. We're going to talk about those rewards. We're going to be talking about getting saved by the skin of your teeth. There's no reason for you to do that. Just serve him. Folks, we have got to let go of this world. Just look on, let's look in your TV. There's nothing there for you. He, he, it's, I mean, it's, it's not in the money. It's not in the education. I thought I'd never have to tell my folks, there's really no reason for you to get a college education in a liberal university that's woke. You don't need to do that. You know, more people are going to the trade schools now. Now, I'm not knocking college. It's, it was good for me. But be careful where you go. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you believe. Be smart. The word for loss is unbelievable. And, and just as a preview, the word for loss right there, right here about rewards, is the same word for lost where Jesus said, what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? All right, we're going to pick right up here last week. I want to tell you this beautiful story. Stories told of a missionary. Some of you may be thinking right now, is it worth it? Some of you may be wondering, is it worth it? Let me, let me tell you, it's worth it. 
It's worth it. Is it tough right now? Absolutely. It's tougher on us now than it's ever been. I'm challenged with it. I reading Jeremiah this week, and the Lord told Jeremiah, he said, you stand and preach the truth, and I will stand with you. But if you don't preach the truth, I won't stand with you. So quit your whining and preach the truth. Not here to offend, but we have to look at the book. The story is told of this, this missionary. He's a retired missionary. He's coming home. He rides this ship, gets on the ship, and he, he's coming home. He's thinking, I've been gone my whole life. My family and I have given everything for the cause of Jesus Christ. But somehow, the President of the United States was on that ship. He'd been on a hunting trip. He killed a bunch of animals and everything was wonderful. And here, he, here he's coming home. And then all of a sudden, when the ship pulls into harbor, everyone is jumping up and down. They're so excited. They're so grateful that the president is back. And all the attention was placed upon the president who had been gone on one little trip to shoot some animals. And here was this missionary, and he began to think to himself, how pitiful I am. There's not one soul here to greet me. There's no one here to say, well done. There's no one here to say, man, you gave your life for the cause. You know there's pastors that have never been recognized, been in a pulpit for 30, 40, 50 years. They never get invited to the big conferences where all the big dogs preach and all the pomp and all the circumstance. They never were on any committees at the convention and all that. And they get down about it and they get beat down. And they feel like, man, am I doing anything good? And and this missionary said, in the quietness of the moment, he said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, yeah, but let me tell you something, son. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. I will be rewarded when I get there where moss and rust cannot destroy the things that my Father has given me. And can I say this? I do want to be rewarded. I want everything that God has for me. But I want to tell you what. If I can just look him in the face and bow on my face, do you understand that there's going to come a day that you will get to touch Jesus Christ. (laughs) Can you imagine just kissing our Father on the forehead or the cheek or kissing His feet? I I don't know what the other rewards are going to be, but there can be nothing that will be that good. For all eternity, a new body, a new body. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering. A body that will just be holy and righteous. Do you know you won't even have trouble trying not to sin? You'll be righteous. Oh, to God be the glory. What a reward in heaven that we have waiting for us. If, you, if you're watching by way of the internet today and you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I, I plead with you to just give him your life. Listen, would you be honest with me? You made a mess out of your life, I can promise you. But no matter where you are today, no matter how far you're from heaven, he will save you. Just give your life to him. He's so good. 
so merciful, so kind. But you never want to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. Let's stand to our feet. Father, this is your moment. Thank you for this precious word. The greatest reward in heaven is Jesus. Would you give each and every person in this room today the courage to stand up and do what they need to do? Some of them know maybe it's today's the day they need to join Wood Lake and come and be a part of what we're doing. And Lord, I pray your spirit would speak to them so they do that. Some of them may just be dragging their feet. And so I just pray, God, you give them courage. Some of them may be a little embarrassed to stand in front of folks. And just pray you'd help them with that too as well. Lord, there's some people that just need to give their life to you today. They need to quit playing games and just give, give their heart to you so that they won't miss heaven. Lord, some of us just need to pray for some family members or friends. Some of us may need just strength for ourselves that you would encourage us today. And some folks could come and join the church. Lord, the, the, the church doors are open. The, the opportunity to receive Christ is here. Uh, the, the altar's open for prayer. Lord, pastor's standing here to minister. Would, would you just, Lord, I give you this invitation and ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning? Don't wait. You just come this morning.